Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 7. Jesus is uh, going to ordain his disciples here in this passage of Scripture. He says in verse number 7 in the Bible, uh, Mark is the author in this gospel. He writes, but Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. A great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. And it tells from all beyond, from the regions beyond is where uh, these, these uh, have come to see Jesus. In verse number nine, he spake to his disciples and he asked them uh, that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he, did, he had healed many in so much that they pressed upon him for, to touch him, as many had plagues. Well, when I read that passage of Scripture, it just causes my heart to, to have compassion for people. Think about this this evening. As we are into this passage of Scripture, Jesus has come back to this place, and people from all around have come to see him. Some of these places that are mentioned here in verse number eight are places that are miles and miles and miles away. And these people at the time didn't have vehicles, didn't have trains, didn't have airplanes. Most of them, probably if with disease and with plagues, as the Bible uses that word here in this passage of Scripture, many of these have a need physically that they need Jesus to, to, uh, to heal. These weren't rich people. These were probably some that would do anything it took to get to Jesus. It didn't matter if they had to walk. Didn't matter if they had to ride on a, on an animal to get there. They weren't looking for luxury to get there. They were just simply doing whatever they could to get to Jesus. And Jesus is here with his disciples. He withdrew himself, the Bible says, with his disciples to the sea. And it causes me to think here that Jesus probably just wanted some time alone. Do you ever, do you ever want time alone and it seems like that becomes the busiest time in your life? When, when my wife wants, my wife and I, we just want to talk or we just want to just be alone after a long day and, and uh, just sit and have a cup of coffee and just be there, it just seems like that's the time that all the kids have something. This afternoon, she was trying to take a, take a little bit of a, a nap and, and uh, one of the kids wanted something and so they just knock on the door and walk in. I know you're sleeping, but I have a question. I heard that. I said, Chloe, leave mom alone. But I just have a quick question. Mommy's sleeping. No, she's already awake. That's because you woke her up. <laughs> and you're probably not going to get the answer you want now. I'll be studying at times, and somebody will knock on my office door, and they'll say, I know you're studying, Pastor, but I just have a quick question. And sometimes at the times where you just want to be alone, he withdrew himself, giving us the impression that he just wanted time to invest in his disciples. Something important is going to happen here. He's going to ordain 12 disciples. But as he's there with these disciples, there were many, in verse number 10, for he had heard, they, for he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Imagine just what's happening here at this place. People are being healed. 
those that were possessed with devils are coming and falling in front of Jesus and proclaiming who Jesus is. Jesus is just desiring to withdraw himself and spend time with his disciples and straight, straightly charge them that they should not make him known. And verse number 13, and he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him, and who ordained twelve. And the Bible goes through and just begins to give us names of the twelve. He says this, I think is interesting in verse number 15. He, he ordains these twelve. In verse, in verse 14, in, in the purpose that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. The purpose of him ordaining these 12 was so that he would invest time into them so that they then would go out and preach what he has taught them. What he's doing is he's getting ready, he's training and developing and teaching those that would take the New Testament church and go out and begin this New Testament church because Jesus knew he was not going to be here much longer. He knew there was going to come a day and a time where he was going to be killed and, and he was then going to be resurrected and he was going to be in heaven, but he was training these 12 to take the gospel message and go forth. You know, it was these 12 are the reasons why we're sitting here today. They were obedient. They were obedient in the message of, of getting what Jesus had for them and then preaching the gospel, preaching the kingdom of heaven. In verse number 15, the Bible tells us that he gave them power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And he begins to name them. He takes disciples and gives them different names. In verse 16, 17, and 18, and 19, we find a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. And this is the one who betrayed him, and they went into a house. And the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. We find here Jesus begins with trying to get along with his disciples, and he's pressed by such many, many needs. Then we find Jesus spending the time with his disciples, and he's vesting in the disciples. He draws his disciples to him. He, he gives them different names, and he, and he begins to teach them the things that they ought to preach. He begins to instruct them what they ought to be doing in his, as, as disciples. And then he goes, and he comes into a house, and the Bible says, when he comes into this place, multitudes come together because they constantly are in need of what Jesus has to offer. This is interesting to me, this passage of Scripture. It's interesting to me because the needs of this world have not changed. There's still some that are sick. There's still some that are spiritually blind. There's still many that need what Jesus has to offer. And what Jesus did here was Jesus showed us the plan that he has to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was to take those that were following him, he ordained them to take the gospel message, and he showed them what he desired for them to do. I want you to see as the fame of Christ increased throughout this region, crowds followed him wherever he traveled. You know, this is the time Jesus was going to be crucified here in just a little bit. They were going to yell and scream, crucify him, crucify him. But there were some that knew that what Jesus had, they needed. 
the fame of Christ increased, increased so much so that wherever Jesus went, there were people there, crowds of people pressing him, desiring to see him, desiring to touch him. I want to give you just a few thoughts here this evening. In verse number seven, down through verse number 12, I want us to see, I want us to see Christ's powerful influence, the influence that Christ has with those that need help. His influence. In this passage of scripture, Christ calls his closest followers, and we, we call his, his followers what? What do we call them? His what? His disciples. He brought his disciples with him, and you know that word disciple means what? Somebody tell me. Followers or trainee. That word disciple means a follower of Christ. And Jesus is bringing his disciples together, those 12, and he's ordaining them. In this day, they are going to become apostles. What is the difference between a follower or a disciple? An apostle. A, follow, a disciple is a follower. It's, 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 it's not the same necessarily as an apostle. The, the, the apostle means this, sent forth one. There's a little bit more significance to the role of an apostle. There were many people that followed Jesus. There were many people that, that were around Jesus, that considered themselves a follower of Jesus. But Jesus was going to take these 12, and he was going to make these 12 an apostle. And these apostles were going to be sent forth to do what God, what the Lord tells these apostles to do. You see, at the time, many uh, dis uh, disciples, when it got really hard, they began to scatter. Many apostles, uh, disciples, when it got difficult, they began to scatter. Matter of fact, many disciples that wanted to follow Jesus, Jesus began to tell them what the cost was to follow him. And many of them said, you know what, that's a little bit too much. I don't know if I'm willing to pay that price. But an apostle is one that is sent forth. An apostle is one that would be maybe an ambassador, one that would tell others about who Jesus was. Not someone that was just simply wanting to follow Jesus, but somebody that was wanting to take the influence that Jesus had and tell others about Jesus so they could meet Jesus themselves. The time had come for them to step up as leaders in God's work. This call came with an increased responsibility, obviously, to learn. Jesus knew this, that he had to bring them closer to him. They had to grow as Christ developed them through his teaching. There was a step from being a disciple to being an apostle. There was a significant step here. It was a moment that set them apart in the church history as founding servant leaders. It was a moment, this was a moment that Jesus was setting the stage for the local New Testament church. He was setting the foundation for the leaders that when he then ascended into heaven, there would be some there that begin to preach the gospel. The day at Pentecost, these same very men who at one time, they were unsure about the events that were happening around them. At one time, they were afraid. At one time, they even scattered. But these 
these apostles are the ones that stood in the midst of those that were there in Jerusalem that day of Pentecost and with power and authority from the Holy Spirit of God begin to preach. And from that day forward, multitudes and multitudes and multitudes were met. They met Jesus Christ and were saved and many were added to the church. And we find the book of Acts where the church was on the move. Why? Because the apostles took and were sent forth and they did as Christ commanded them to do. Church, how are we doing? And I know that the apostleship is no longer a title, is no longer a position that we recognize here in the local New Testament church. When the apostles died, that the apostleship went with them. But I believe this, the actions... They ought to be the actions of those that are really doing something for God, the same actions that are those that are sent forth. A Christian should not spend their life never talking about Jesus Christ. A Christian can't spend their life in this world. If a Christian is a follower of Christ and maybe everything they have is kind of undercover and they don't talk about it, you may be a disciple of Christ, but you, are you obedient to the, man, to the command to go forth? Listen, this generation, the, it was a moment that was set apart in church history. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a generation that just kind of comes on the scene and passes off the scene and nothing significant happens in this generation. Listen, I don't want my generation to be the generation that's known for some of the political things that are taking place. And that's what this generation is known for. I don't want our generation to be the generation that's known for, for uh, 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 so the, the wars and some of the controversies that are taking place around this nation. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if this generation, our generation was a generation that was known that the gospel of Jesus Christ was taken to the uttermost parts of this world. Wouldn't this be a wonderful thing if this generation was a generation that was known as they look in history and look back and they study this generation, they said that is the generation that was serious about serving Jesus Christ. That is the generation that was sacrificial in their giving. It was the generation that went forth. This world was spiraling out of control, but there was a generation of followers of Christ that weren't just followers undercover. They weren't just those that listened from afar, but they took the teachings that Jesus Christ gave and they were ones of action and they turned their world upside down because of what they believed and how they followed Jesus Christ. I ask you this evening, does that describe your passion? What do you want your generation to be known for? A generation of followers or a generation of those that were sent forth and accomplished something for God. Do you know there is some that tell me this. I speak to many missionaries. They'll call and, and many missionaries tell me this. There's more missionaries coming off the field than going on the field. I talked to a fellow that was involved in a Christian college this past Monday. And I told him some of the needs that we had. And, and uh, we were talking about music. And he said, boy, good luck. He said this, every Christian college, he's talked to many Christian colleges. Every Christian college he's talked to going into this fall semester is down at least 10% more of young people that are surrendered to the ministry. 
He said, we just don't have the people surrendering that we used to have. Every pastor, every pastor I talk to anymore tells me they're looking for Christian school teachers. They're looking for those that want to be in the ministry. And you know what they have? They have a lot of positions to be filled and not enough people to fill them. And I got into this conversation with this fellow this past week, and he began to tell me, he said, who's preaching? What, who do you know that's preaching the young people to get involved in the ministry, the young people to, to surrender their lives, young people to go on a mission field, young people to, to give their lives, committed their, commit their lives to the gospel message? You know, if we're not careful, parents, we can, we can live to raise our children in such a way where finances and, and material things and, and things of this world and the important things that, that they think are important are are things that aren't for eternity's sake. And we can raise our children thinking they have to have all of these things and miss the opportunity to give their lives and surrender their lives in sacrifice for the cause of Jesus Christ. I mean, how can it be there's more people living today than have ever lived before? Billions upon billions of people, half the world today sits in darkness, never hearing the name of Jesus Christ. If that be true, some over three billion people have never heard the gospel message. To think this world, the technology that this world has, we can have a, a phone. I, I've, been in, I've been in some remote places in Africa, and I've picked up my cell phone, and I've called all the way back home, and I've talked to my wife. And I think, boy, this technology is amazing. I've been in some closed countries and I, I've picked up a phone and I've picked, uh, 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 dialed home and was able to talk to my wife. I've been into some corners of this world and been on my iPad and opened up my iPad and got a Wi-Fi connection and was able to research and find anything I wanted on the internet. Yet half the world sits in darkness without Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor Cox. I think that ought to be, that ought to be something that we, that's burdening our hearts, sending our young people, putting that passion inside of them to know that their generation sits without Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we ought to, we ought to give that to them and give them that challenge and give them that burden to go into the world and reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What most, more important thing is there than surrendering our life to Christ? What more important thing is there? Here Jesus is at a time, it is a moment that is set apart in church history. This call from Christ was unique. It was a call to serve others for the sake of Christ. Oh, don't miss that this evening. This call, this call, Jesus was teaching them. This call was a call to serve others for the gospel's sake. This was nothing to be taken lightly. The call to go into the world is not something that we ought to take lightly. It is required. It requires a significant investment of personal resources. It's, it requires a personal uh, investment of time. It requires an investment of energy. It requires an investment of prayer. And I want to ask our church this evening, how are we doing with that investment? 
How are we doing with the investment of our time, of our resources, of our energy, of our prayer? What does our prayer life look like? Say this, you show a person where they're spending their money and you'll see where that person's heart is. Boy, we live in a world that's just debt and accumulating more and more debt. Taking on more debt, thinking that's going to buy happiness. Listen to me, adults, let's not, let's not get our children into a place where they start to believe some of the things that we believe that are false, that buying things and getting in debt and having the burden of debt is going to bring happiness in their life. It's going to bring nothing but hurt and destruction. More families are broken up because of debt and because of finances. Leads to horrible fights and horrible disagreements and lack of trust. And it, it's the demise of the families. It's going to be the demise of this country. It's hurting us. Listen to me. We need to, we need to see and we need to realize that it's going to take a great sacrifice and we can't be burdened down with material things. We can't be burdened down with possessions of this world. We can't be burdened down with things that are not for eternity. We need to train and, and teach our young people that it's going to take a sacrifice. It's going to take a sacrifice of time. It's going to take a sacrifice of energy. It's going to take a sacrifice of prayer to get the job done that needs to be done. But oh church, would you agree this evening the job needs to be done? The job needs to be done. We cannot be satisfied knowing that the world sits in darkness without Jesus Christ. This time, this moment, in Mark chapter 3, it is a significant moment in the ministry of Christ. These 12 men are going to play a key role in carrying out this work. Have you ever invested in someone only to find out that the investment was a waste of time? Anybody do that? Ever take someone and train them and disciple them and then, well, you'd have to call the FBI to try to find them? There's nowhere to be found. Maybe you're a business owner and you trained a young person up only to find that they've, they've left and you feel like, boy, everything I invested in them is a waste. Here Jesus is taking these 12. And everything now is going to hinge on these 12. Jesus now is going to take and he's going to invest his life in these 12 men. And these 12 men are going to play a key role in carrying out this work after Jesus has ascended. Jesus knew that there was a time that's coming. And he was not going to be able to continue his earthly ministry. But he knew this, people still need to be healed. He knew this, there were still devils that needed to be cast out of people. He knew this, there were still people that were plagued. He still knew this, there were people that were still in bondage and sin. He still knew this, there were the lame that needed to walk. He knew there were blind that needed to see. He knew there were deaf that needed to hear. He knew that the gospel message needed to go forth. But he knew this, that there was going to be a time where he wasn't here. And what he was doing is he was getting ready to take these twelve. And invest in these 12. So as he sat at the right hand of his father, the work that he came to do would continue on.
I'll tell you, that thought just is motivating to me. Because there's a lot of times, a lot of reasons I think we could come up with that would be easy to quit on the Lord. Right, Pastor Oscar? You ever think about quitting? You can be honest. Zayden knows the truth. The truth is everybody here has thought about quitting every once in a while. Because it's difficult. It's hard. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you and tell you there's not been times I've thought to myself, boy, I wonder if I could just get a job someplace else. Work nine to five. Better yet, nine to four. I, uh, there's a fellow that comes to church here and he's a golf pro in the area. And I said to my wife, wouldn't it be something to make money golfing? I mean, going out there five hours, doing something you love, making money doing it. She looked at me and said, aren't you doing that now? I said, I am. I'm doing what I love. Yeah, but listen to me. If we're not careful, we might think, you know what? Life is hard. People are difficult. There's such a great need. Here Jesus is at the place. And we don't know what the disciples are going to think. We don't know what the disciples are going to do. Jesus is getting ready to take and invest himself into human beings. That's a risky thing, isn't it? How many of you would agree with that? Say amen. Humans are risky, aren't they? Oh, you got to agree with me because sometimes you don't agree with yourself sometimes, right? Today's a good idea. Tomorrow's not a good idea. You know how finicky you are. My wife reminded me this afternoon. She said, don't forget, you got four young girls living in the house. And I, I didn't know where that was coming from. I said, what is that supposed to mean? She says, they're all getting older too. I said, what is that supposed to mean? She says, emotions are coming. I said, what are you trying to scare me and Jacob? She says, I'm just trying to warn you. She said, we've raised a young, uh, young boy. And she says, I'm just telling you, girls are different. I said, how do you know? And she just looked at me. I said, okay, I believe you. Not just girls, teenage girls, teenage boys, old women, young women, old men, young men. We're all finicky. We all can disappoint. We all have our weaknesses. But Jesus left his most important ministry to us. Isn't that amazing? I get the opportunity to take the gospel to a world that needs Jesus. I get the opportunity every Sunday morning to get up and preach. You know, this morning, someone said, boy, you really got into it this morning. I said, I don't know how I could help not to. I preached about Jesus. Boy, we're preaching about the Antichrist and, 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 and judgment and, and, and the chaos of this world. Finally, I get to preach the message about the second coming of Jesus. Of course I'm going to get excited about that. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to rule and reign. He's coming back with power and authority. If I just stood up here and, 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 and just looked at you and was bored and ready to fall asleep preaching about Jesus, you'd say there's something wrong with him. Listen to me. The most important thing I could do is preach that Jesus is coming again. What a wonderful message that is. Here we find the disciples. 
they had to choose. Are they going to go forward? Or are they going to stay behind? Jesus invited them to follow him. And the rest was history for them. Listen, these disciples at this time, they weren't clamoring for a position or a favor. They were just there and Jesus did something that would leave them changed forever. Listen to me, that's what Jesus Christ wants to do for you and for me. He wants to do something in our life that'll leave us changed forever. Leave us changed forever. How many of you this morning, you looked around and there was people that you didn't recognize? If you didn't have your hand raised, you either didn't look around, you weren't here, or you just were sleeping. Every week, every week, every single week, it seems like the Lord is bringing another family. I met a lady after church. I've talked to her on the phone several times and um, answered some questions, but I stood afterwards and I went and I said, good to have you today and, and uh, nice to meet you. And she said, she told me her name. I said, oh, she's been coming for about four months. Now, we've talked on the phone, and, and, and I know some other staff have, have made a visit, but that was the first time this morning that I actually introduced myself and met her face-to-face. -face. I had another family tell me this, this. Wendy Lee said to me this morning, she said, I met a, met a young lady this morning and introduced myself to her and found out she's been coming for six weeks. And another person say, boy, I looked around this morning and there was a family here and a family here. I was coming home. Uh, my son was, was driving and, and um, I was, had my eyes closed and laying back as he was driving me home from church today. And, and uh, uh, not because he's a bad driver, I was just tired. And, and um, he's talking. And I said, stop talking, son. Keep your eyes on the road. And, and um, so he uh, stopped for a little while and he started talking again. He said, Dad, you know, there's this family that's been visiting from Bowling Green, and, and uh, they've been here for a few weeks. He says, Dad, I think they're going to stay. I said, why do you say that? He says, I can just tell. The reality is this. God is just bringing people in. He's allowing people to come, and what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing this is. I believe that God is going to do and continue to do something in our church. And if we'll be a part of it, it is going to leave us changed forever. But you've got to decide to be a part. The instruction was given to direct these men toward a life of service. Listen to me, we need, we need Christians that are committed to a life of service. Let me finish here this evening. We find in verse number 14, if you would go there with me, and he ordained 12, that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. He gives them practical instruction. He ordains these 12 that they should be with him. He, he ordains these 12 that they should go forth and preach the gospel. He begins to teach them. He get, begins to set them apart for the work of the ministry. He begins to teach them how to pray. He begins to teach them how to heal in his name. He begins to teach them how to preach the kingdom of heaven. He began to invest in them. Listen, when we spend time with Jesus, he'll begin to show in our lives. We'll never make the impact in life that we hope for if we first don't invest 
and spend time with Jesus Christ. And lastly, I want to give you this thought. As I, as I began to look through this, I thought of something interesting here. Here we have, um, Jesus gives us these names of these men. He begins to rename them. He names Peter and, 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 and Simon, he surnamed Peter. Peter is the, the rock. Levi, he, Matthew. You know, Matthew is one that sold out his nation and he aligned himself with the Roman Empire, right? He was a tax collector. Everyone knew in those days that he was a thief. Now, we don't like the IRS, but I'll tell you this, you'd rather spend time with the IRS today in America than you would a tax collector back in them days. Because what they did was one for Caesar, one for me. Sometimes, depending on their need, was one for Caesar, two for me. They were thieves. Then, then there was one, look with me here, there was one that was not only a tax collector that worked for the Roman Empire, there was also one that um, was a Canaanite or um, uh, 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 Simon called the Canaanite here. I lost my track here. He's here somewhere in here. Someone yell out that verse that says Cain at the Canaanite. 18. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, and James, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite. Here we find Simon the Canaanite. The Canaanite, he'd aligned himself with a group called the Zealots. In this group, the Zealots fought against the Roman Empire. So Jesus took one that worked for the empire, the Roman Empire. He took one that worked against and fought this group that ended up at the Masada and was killed at the hands of the Romans. This group that Simon was a part of, they were ones that fought against the Roman occupation. And then Jesus takes a man that worked for and was one that helped fund the Roman Empire there in their city. Now, how many of you would think that they'd get along? Could you imagine the looks and the conversation that took place when they first met each other? Come on now, don't look at me like that. Jesus was able to take two different walks of life and bring them together to turn this world upside down. You know, Christ wasn't concerned about their past. He wasn't concerned about their inadequacies. He was concerned about one thing. Are you willing to give up what you have to follow me? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to, to, to take the message of the gospel and change this world? You know, that kind of reminds me of this group. You know, I was golfing yesterday with our, with our, with our uh, church, and it is amazing the group of people that God has put into this place. I don't know if we have any tax collectors, but I'm sure we have some that were thieves in their life. I, don't, I, I know that we have some that have differing uh, political opinions. We have different walks of life. We have different understandings. We have people that probably in their normal life would never get along. How many of there's somebody in church you don't like? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. truth of the matter is, you know, there's people here that we would never get along with. There are people here that we have no reason to ever talk to. 
There are people here that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we'd have nothing in common. And what brought Matthew and what brought Simon into a place where they could work together and they could do something that turned the world upside down? What brought these two men together where they were now willing to give their lives for the gospel's sake? What brought these two men together that now they're willing to sacrifice? And no longer is one saying, I'm going to rob to make a living, but now I'm going to give to others so that they would know Jesus Christ. I'm not talking now about one that says, I'm going to fight the Roman Empire. Now one says, I'm going to fight the causes of evil, and I'm going to fight for the cause of Christ, and I'm willing to partner up with someone that in my normal life, I'd want nothing to do with. What causes such a thing? I'll tell you what causes that. Somebody willing to forsake their past and follow Jesus Christ. You know, these, these apostles, the overwhelming majority of the apostles, they went on to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ. I love reading the story of the apostles, how they came to a place where most of the apostles chose death than to denounce Christ. I love in that Bible where it says this, these men that turn the world upside down. Church, I want to encourage you. Keep giving out 1,999 Bibles. But let's determine that we're not going to stop with 1,999. Let's keep going with another 1,999. Let's keep getting behind a Christian school that's going to raise up young people to serve the Lord. Listen to me. It's not here for any other reason than for us to invest our lives, invest our times, invest our talent to take this book, invest this book into these young children so they would go on and serve the Lord. Let's commit that we're going to continue that no matter what the cost is. Let's continue that we're going to be a, a lighthouse. Let's commit that we're going to be a lighthouse in this community. Listen, to those of you that brought somebody lost yesterday, I commend you for that. That was great risk. Because they sat in the clubhouse and ate while someone stood up and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you for that. Good job, church. Continue to make the gospel important. Continue to invite people to the house of God. Continue to serve God. Now's not the time for us to retreat. Now's not the time for us to quit. Now's not the time for our young people to see us taking a step back and taking it easy and, and, and just kind of living a comfortable life. If anything, now's the time for the young people that are seeing us, the young children and the teenagers, to see us work harder than we've ever worked, to see us sacrifice more than we've ever sacrificed, to see us send more than we've ever sent to see us give more than we've ever given, to see us work harder than we've ever worked before, to see us with a passion for Christ more than we've ever had before. Now's the time, I believe, that we go from disciples to apostles, from followers to those that actually take the message and go forth and turn this world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to play church. Jesus is coming. And as he comes, we're going to be raptured out of this place. And boy, I see that day approaching, and I believe it's at any moment. But that means this, there's some that are going to be left behind. 
I saw Josh Filler golfing yesterday. And Josh had a four cartfuls of family. Josh can golf anytime he wants to golf. Well, not now. His wife doesn't let me. He has a new job. <clears throat> he cuts wood now. But if Josh wants to take his family out golfing, he can take them out any day. Why did he take them out yesterday? Because he's praying that as the gospel message is given, that they'll hear, they'll trust Christ. Courtney said to me this morning, she came and said, Pastor, thank you for making the golf outing so enjoyable. Why does she care? Because she wants her family to come to know Jesus Christ. Why do we need youth workers and children's workers and, 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 and those that sing and those that serve and ushers? And why does Wendy Lee, she's tracking you down, wanting to know, are you going to serve? Are you going to greet? Why do we need greeters? Because people need Jesus. And if God has given you a talent, it's time you go from follower to being sent forth. Don't sit. It's time to work. Father, would you help us? These 12 men had a choice. These in this room have a choice. These 12 men made a choice to impact their generation, and we in this room have a choice to impact ours.